At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Hello? Yeah. Hello? Hey, you there? Hello? Check. Who is it? Check. Oh, there's a ghost in the system. I heard it. What's up, fellas? What's happening? I think we're all here. Sounds like all this uh, staying alone stuff's getting to us. I know, man. Yeah. I'm just yeah. banging my Ooh, head against the mic. All right, this is your boy, Trev. Ghost Hunter. This is Steven. All right, we're all here. Well, you guys are there. I'm here. This is true, but and we're where, all and where you are. That's where you. That's where you are. That's exactly. You Please, wherever you are, six feet of distance. Back up. Back up. <laughs> <laughs> so we're still all in quarantine. Let's talk about that for five Horribly. seconds. Yeah, man. They keep dragging it out longer and longer. But we're gonna break quarantine, and me and Ghost are gonna head down to Virginia yep. and visit Stephen, man. I'm excited about that. Yeah, man, I'm stoked. We're looking forward to it. Yes, we will be practicing responsible social distancing, meaning uh, they're in the guest house and they will be separate and um, we'll only cuddle at. No, we won't even go down that route. Uh, (laughs) We're just going to put two shooters up front and then I'll call in the back. That will be our (laughs) social distancing and then... Just oh no! You don't have, we will socially distance <laughs> by getting the fuck away from everybody. As long as you don't have the Rona, I don't. So we'll be no, fine. I'm all clear here. All, all clear here. Oh, uh, well, uh, yeah. Never mind. I won't go there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, man. We got some big things happening. I know it's kind of been crazy. We we uh we all been like doing our part, scouting, um, getting out there, fishing, um, just kind of keeping through this quarantine. I know it. Go I mean, I've been fishing the, building a new kitchen. Yep. You built the outdoor kitchen. I'm building well, a working new on studio. It. Studio. Yeah, let's talk about the fucking new studio real quick, dude. You guys, your dad's been hammering away at that with you? Yeah. So um, it's time for me because a lot of you guys probably don't know, but I record in what's what was supposed to be the dining room, but it's now turned into the studio. Um, so I am just happy to get down and have my own studio. My dad's helping me. Uh, re- redesign and finish the basement so i'm actually gonna have like a studio side guest um guest bedroom kind of thing like man cave place for friends to stay when they come into town to hunt or fish with me so we're kind of building that cool fancy led lights and just kind of badass place to uh to hang out and we got our own little space when we're doing videos and so on and so forth so everyone's kind of got their cool little thing i know steven has his studio um which is really badass. We all see pictures of that. And Ghost got his kitchen, which working on it. You're you're starting to make everyone jealous. I'm getting very excited about what this room is turning into. It's taking a little bit of time, but hey, a lot of good things happen to people. Dude, I ain't gonna. I would not get shit done if we went recorded at your place because I'd be too busy stuffing my face. Dude, eating and drinking is all that there is to do right now. <laughs> and I'm fighting it so fucking hard. Like, I'm just... So I've been cooking a lot of stuff and giving it to the family. But uh, 
yeah, we're pumped about the room. It's going to be done by next week. Probably by the time we get back from our savage trip to the mountains with we'll CU in Virginia. Hell yeah. I just can't like that picture that, that your wife posted today just made me melt. Like it just with the green, the mountains, everything. It's just we, we all think we need this trip to get away. We all do. Yeah, we haven't seen yeah. each other in a while, man. We definitely need this this trip. I don't want to get like crazy emotional or nothing, but um, I do want to get emotional about one thing and one thing only, real quick, real fast. Um, I got the text message that Mock at Nor'easter Game Calls sent out our calls. Um, oh shit! The new Prospector series is on its way. Um, with that, and it's going to be with a quarantine. There's going to be some crazy shit that we do here on the outdoor drive to make everybody get through what they're getting through. Um, we kind of need a little bit of help from the supporters and listeners on social media to do so. But when the prospector series gets here, we are going to give away a prospector pot call. We're going, that's one giveaway. We're going to give away a box call to a youth. So pay attention for that. And then there's a couple other things that are coming down, um, that we're actually going to give away. Also, I think, um, honestly, I think there's a little mother clucker, with the outdoor drive logo on it that we're going to give away. Um, there's going to be a lot of stuff. So we, we kind of want to give back in this time of need. Um, and we'll definitely send you a quarantine package. But before that happens and before that gets here, I do have a giveaway, um, that we are going to give away a death wish coffee, um, quarantine pack. Nice. Um, yeah, so I have a Death Wish Tumbler, uh, instant coffee, which has eight cups of coffee inside of it, and then two cold brews with a sticker that I'm going to give away. And I will release the giveaway on social media um, Friday. No. Which will be the day this comes out. The day that this comes out. <laughs> um, do we huh? want to do Friday? No, I'm going to do Saturday. So I want to let everybody see what's going on. Yeah. So for, I'm going to save it for the weekend. So tomorrow, when in real world, it would be in podcast world, it's going to be Saturday. In real world, it is Saturday. So Saturday, we'll look out for that. Watch on social media. We'll do the giveaways on there, on both social media platforms. So on Facebook, you can go on there and do and follow the rules there to get in on that one. But I'll give you extra points and extra chances to win. If you go on to Instagram um, and do it there also, you can find us at the outdoor drive.com uh, outdoor drive um, on Instagram. So if you go there, then you'll get extra bonus points to get in. If you follow the rules there. So boom, sweet. And then to go away with the giveaways, if we get to a certain amount, I have something very special that you all need to pay attention to because we're going to give away the biggest thing that's ever been given away on a podcast thus far. And I'm not going to ruin that now, but we will talk about it for a long time to come. And I'll give away that that soon. Keep liking, sharing, following, driving yes. people to this because when we hit a certain level, there is something huge, big, huge. I have goosebumps. Something that you guys so will crazy. all look forward to doing. Um, something you guys have all been following and watching. Um, so I'm going to give it away. Fuck it. So uh, so anyways, so back to the, the good and the grind of life. Birds. Birds. 
Turkeys are out. going fucking nuts right now. Birds. They're everywhere. They I are. hear birds the word. That bird is, is the word. word. Well, the, the word is, Stephen, what is going on in, in Virginia that we have to look forward to when we get down there? <laughs> the birds are hot. They are out. They are moving. And it's from what I'm seeing in the spots that we plan on going, we're just right. It, it's... They're not nesting. They're not too hand up. They're not in those difficult areas. They're still setting the pecking order in a couple of places. So we're going to have some fun. Time to shake their shit up. We got to shake their shit up. (laughs) They're out there running around thinking everything's fine, doing animal things. But uh, yeah, that's not going to stop us from traveling down and seeing you guys. It's just going to be. I'm since I found out I was going on Monday, I haven't been able to sleep. I haven't been able to eat right. I haven't been drinking because I know I think that's going to happen when we all get together. We're going to try to keep it, you know, to a, you know, whatever. We're going to fucking do whatever we want. Um, yeah, I'm just super excited about it. Um, and we're thankful and lucky enough to have your state allow non-resident hunters to come in and purchase it. You're in a safe zone right now. Like we're not just traveling just to travel. We're also going to a very safe place. There's no cases in your area. Everyone seems to be respecting the whole distance thing. And you know, we need this. We need to get out. Agreed. Just make sure you lice all your entire damn car after you drive through a couple of those States. You got to go around. Right. Yeah. Right. I I mean, we're not stopping. We're going straight from here to there. Six and a half hours in the car, complete straight drive. Being very careful, um, you know, with with the quarantine, I mean, you know, with the stress and everything, man, and and I can't emphasize this enough, man, you guys got to still live your lives, um, but you have to live them very precautiously. Um, Be smart about it. I'm still fishing every day. I'm still scouting every day. I'm still hiking. Um, I just don't stop at the store to get a coffee. I don't stop to go and get gas or hang out with friends or bullshit or none of that stuff. Um. It's in, out, Lysol, hand sanitizer, masks. Just pay attention, man. And it, ozone. it's very ozone is huge. Um, right. my ozone is constantly running in my house. It's constantly running in my cars. Um, you have to, because this is, you know, this is a disease or a virus that can be um maintained. And it's something that you are in control of. Um is take care of yourself and and that's that's what we're doing we're taking care of ourselves and help take care of others south you know that's what we're trying to do take care of you others, have to take care of yourself just it is what it is and Reach honestly out. man by you reaching out and the way you just put it down like that it almost made me feel sad for a minute but we're still up and doing what we love to do what mm-hmm. makes us us doing that drive getting it going so appreciate that's it that's huge Hell yeah, it's going to be a good time, boys. We look forward right. to it. Not as much of a good time as that we're about to have. <laughs> you ain't kidding. It got a little wild. It a does. Wild. It always does, man. Uh, we have on today Drew Walter, Boneyard from Wild Edge Inc. Um, somebody that is a, you know, he's, he's somebody I look up to, a brother, um, uh, a fucking family man, a good father. A uh, very good businessman, somebody that's you know stuck by us through thick and thin, and somebody that you know I just love fucking hanging out with. 
if you want to see a, if you want to see a good example of somebody in the outdoor industry, that's your man. For sure. That balance, that love, that brotherhood, compassion. Just good people. That's it, man. Real. Real company, real guy, real shit. So further ado. Let's roll. Let's roll. We're back on the phone here at the Outdoor Drive with a good friend, brother in arms, somebody I actually look up to in the outdoor industry, somebody who is an innovator and uh, the head of the mobile hunting setup. Revolution. World. Amazing. That's pretty cool. (laughs) We're back on the phone with (laughs) Drew Walter, a.k.a. uh, Boneyard. What's up, Drew? What's happening, boys? Man, it's been a long time coming, bro. It has. We're all quarantined. I can't even see you. Yeah. Big head. <laughs> I know. It's it's uh it's definitely a sad, sad thing. Well, Trev does have that face for radio, so Yeah, he does. No, that's you with your jazz voice, bro. <laughs> You're just trying to get me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, let's do let's do this right. Let's turn this key. Let's get this thing underway. Um Drew, why don't you explain who you are, where you're from, what you do, and all that good stuff. All right. My name is Drew Walter, officially Andrew. I'm a president owner of Wild Edge Incorporated. I live in East Haddam, Connecticut. Uh, I was raised here. Uh, I live with my my wife and my two boys. And uh, life's a little crazy right now. I have a five-week-old at home and a -a two-and-a-half-year-old. But that's who I am, and that's what life's like right now. It's definitely crazy. So, so I can only imagine, dude, especially, and congratulations on the new baby. I cannot wait to meet him. I can't wait for oh, this quarantine you. to be over, man. This is, uh, definitely makes things tough for sure. Oh, it does. Yeah, no, he's, he's good shit. He's, you know, barely ever cries. He's just super chill and his big brother's doing awesome. So the dino man, a dinosaur man, you know, <laughs> that's what he is. Every he's time a I wild man, he gets more yeah. and more wild every day. So it's it's definitely crazy. I I mean, having a business and now having two kids and balancing all that stuff, it's probably not an easy thing. And with the quarantine, yeah, no, it's definitely not easy. But we're uh, we're lucky enough to have family super close. You know, we got grandma right down the road. Uh, my parents, you know, a couple miles away. My sisters are close, so you know, family's all around, and that helps a ton. Speaking of being close, you have a new shop that you just built pretty close to home. Yep. Yeah. Right down the road. We, uh, on our land, I put up a pretty good sized shop. We're chipping away at it. Finally got half the roof on. So, you know, hopefully by this summer we'll be moved in and fully operating out of it. You and, must be really pumped to be able to do that and grow. Yeah. It's, it's, grown. Been my, it's been my dream to build this shop. I rented for so long and then, you know, this is my 
third <clears throat> it's my third shop but uh it'll be the forever shop hopefully so it'll be awesome to have all the space and to actually be able to produce more of our products in-house hell yeah man that thing looks badass yeah it's it's a big it's a big big girl so so exactly what are you going to do in that shop so why don't you go into exactly what wild edge is um a lot of people may not know or they do know or so on and so forth but why don't you explain yeah. a little bit what what wild edge is and what they do so we started uh with our first product the step ladder invented by jim step he's a vietnam vet and uh close family friend of ours he lost his leg in vietnam so he was a metal fabricator welder his whole life and he actually just invented these steps out of necessity to climb the tree with his good leg so he had to put both feet on a step and bring his good leg up one at a time he couldn't do alternate steps and he wanted something compact and you know versatile so he invented them quite a few years back and uh i was traveling a lot for work and uh kind of got sick of traveling wanted to stay home more so he offered you know for me to take this take the step ladder to market and run with it so that's what i did that's how it started i'm um, just selling the steps that evolved into all our rope products um all our climbing systems the uh, you know carabiners ropes the ducks um the senders everything um which then evolved into Building a saddle and uh, really just focusing on being the leader in mobile hunting. So that, yeah. you know, that we started, I bounced around, rented a couple shops, bought a property, kind of downsized a little bit um, in preparation to build this shop. So this shop, the goal is to have pretty much everything manufactured in-house. So I'm going to fully set up with robotic welders and CNC machines, milling machines, and uh, just keep everything in-house and, the quality control you know right under a roof yeah because you right along the way you've been american made and american owned yep yeah so all our metal products right now are made in texas uh the perch and the steps so you know we're slowly getting to the point where we can have more and more in-house and they're not only used for mobile also so like your presets with with regular stands so on and so forth i mean it's, right they, they're yep. they're badass oh yeah yeah, no, all my presets all go in the woods with a set of 16 and, you know, 16 or 18 steps, put them all in the tree and leave them all season or my mobile set up them shrinking down to three or five steps. So how many steps does it take to get to 20 feet? As many as you want, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I figured I'd get there. Like, need to Lydia laugh out of you. Yeah, you know that video, Lydia. Did yeah. It. How many steps yeah. to get uh, 18 feet? What'd she say? However many However, you want or something. Exactly. <laughs> That's the yeah, way. No, with all the, the aiders and aiders, swayers, all the aider systems out there. It's like, shit, guys are getting 20 feet with three or four steps. Yeah, it's it's, in, it's incredible what they actually do and how quick they actually set up. And it, and it definitely takes, um, it takes a little bit of tinkering with and playing with to get your knot right and how to set them properly and so on yeah. and so forth. I mean, you have a ton of YouTube videos, and I know a bunch of the other guys do, Greg Staggs and... You know, there's a ton of videos out there about how to actually properly use them because you see it a lot on the Internet and a lot of different groups or guys are like, you know, oh, I can't get them. They kind of pull off the tree and so on and so forth. You're just not doing it tight enough um, or the yeah, knot's a, not right. Or, a, you know, it's not something you grab, open a box and, you know, go in the dark in the woods and start throwing up the setup. You know, you got to practice them a little bit. Once you get the hang of it, it's, you know, it's pretty foolproof. Well, you should be practicing with your regular sticks. Well, you should be practicing with anything that you use when you're sending up into a tree anyways. Right. And everyone always wants to know, you know, 
how do you do it? What do you do? What do you do? How do you do this? Everyone's asking everyone else how to do something. How do you, how's your, how do you do your setup? How do you do this? And it's great to see other options, but at the same time, you got to find what works for you. You know, my system isn't going to be the same system you're going to use. You could put 20 guys in, in a room. If they all had their setup there, guarantee you no one's going to be the same. Right, exactly. I mean, and I use a step to even hold my backpack and then it's at my knee so I don't have to wear knee pads. Right. Um, there's just like little things that you gradually obtain as you go through a season to try and to try and build your your uh your right build yeah build your setup. <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, I, tell, I tell guys all the time it's like when you're out scouting when you're doing whatever shed hunting you know bring your setup with you and find a spot that looks good and just climb the tree and pretend you're hunting set up or go in the backyard and pick every single tree that you could possibly get your hands on and climb it because every time you step you climb any tree it's going to be di- it's going to be different something's going to be different about it your setup might maybe the same, but something is going to be different about that setup. So where can people find the Wild Edge Steps? Uh, WildEdgeInc.com. And you have everything there. You guys have a YouTube channel on how to do these things, yep, everything YouTube, that you have. Instagram, Facebook, yep. It's yeah, just about anything. Thing. We've been hammering on a bunch of videos, instructional videos, and, you know, how to guys did a video on, you know, all the different platform setups, you know, ring of steps to a perch, to a perch with a ring of steps, you know all the different options. Hey, I love the ring of steps. That's how I set up is a ring of steps. It just, yeah. it's just so comfortable and being able to move. And like, if you have a deer that comes from one side or the other, you can just step over to one side and, and you, you're really, you're covering a lot of ground, like 240 yeah. degrees at that point. Yeah. It locks you right into the tree. You know, yeah, it's almost like a stirrup and you shove your toe in it, your heel in it, you're locked in where it's so many people get the misconception. They think the instant they, put a saddle on they want to stand on a big platform like it's a tree stand you know if you have a giant platform you're defeating the whole purpose you know if you have one platform you can't really get all the way around the tree so you kind of need that other option of another step or something else around the tree and i say the best option for a platform in my opinion you have a couple of steps is a big branch and using that to your advantage oh heck yeah you, you know as you're climbing you get to a nice healthy limb that's coming off coming off the tree and you know because you have that whole length to max your feet out put your foot in the crotch of the the limb and the, the trunk of the tree it, it works out sweet i've killed deer by just literally one step in the middle and then having two limbs on each side i've definitely been through that like i i forgot uh my my ring of steps because i normally attach them to my backpack and then i get up in the tree and i'm like oh i forgot it so then i just use a branch to kind of mobilize myself around the tree it's actually it works very well (laughs) it's free too yeah exactly (laughs) so i guess enough about wild edge man we want to know about boneyard and what you do man because you you grew up doing this your entire life man from a young young person and and growing up in a family you know killing big deer um so why don't you go into that man how how you know, how you got started, what you do and so on and so forth. Uh, my dad was, uh, my dad was a free avid outdoorsman growing up. Uh, he didn't kill a deer with a gun until a couple of years ago. Jim step actually gave him a nice two forty three. <laughs> it was funny. My dad literally only killed deer with, with his bow. Everything was bow. You know, we killed birds with a up, grew up doing a ton of upland bird hunting with uh, our Vislas with guns, obviously. But when it came to deer, it was strictly bow. So that's how I grew up. And I 
killed. I can't tell you how many deer I killed with a bow before I even picked up a gun. But uh, so a couple of years ago when Jim gave him that gun, it was funny. He went out and my dad's a meat hunter. He doesn't give a shit about racks. Um, so a spike came in and he said, he's like, I felt terrible. He said, the thing came into 10 yards and I just blew it up and it ran two feet and fell over. <laughs> I'm like, yep, that's gun hunting, dad. Um, but anyway, I grew up, you know, we grew up bird hunting. Uh, my neighbor across the street called Captain. He got me into waterfowl hunting, uh, deep sea fishing, um, you know, turkey hunting. Basically, anything that I could kill, I killed growing up. And anyone that knows me knows that I was, and still am, complete psychotic about hunting. You know, I just live, live and breathe it. And uh, it's just a complete obsession. Absolutely. I mean, you did it for a job for a while. Yep. Yeah, I worked for a company doing uh, suburban deer management. So I was a sharpshooter, travel all over the country, go into communities and kill a couple hundred deer in you know, a week or two. And that's, I mean, you become a, a primal, a primal dude at that point where when you come back home, man, you're really just focusing on shooting big deer because yeah, that's you what, see so that's many what really deer. got me into trophy hunting was, you know, after killing a couple thousand deer for work, it's, I'd come home and it'd be like, you know, a doe would walk by and be like, eh, you know, fawns would come running in, like, kind, of, kind of like mess, mess with your head a little bit. So I really, really got into, you know, hunting big deer, mature deer. Um, when I was a kid, I used to kill you know, 12, 15 deer a season. Um, and then, you know, that evolved into now I'll kill, you know, if I'm lucky enough in a good season, two nice bucks and maybe a doe or two for friends and family for meat. So when you say you get, you're able to kill 15 deer, I guess this is something that I talk about a lot, but can you go into it? Like how you're able to do such a thing with the, like, I guess we would call it like the urban management. Um, well, it'd be uh, in like, Connecticut, we have uh, certain land zones. Like in my land zone, you can bait and you can get basically unlimited antlerless tags. So you get, you know, whatever it is for your typical bow tags, you get two antlerless and two either sex tags. Um, so once you burn through those tags, you can also get a doe replacement tag if you bring the head to a check station. And then after you kill three does, you can get an earn a buck tag. So you can basically kill as many deer as you want throughout the season. So when I was a kid, when I was a little savage, you know, I'd, in a typical season, I'd kill at least 15 deer. That's insane. Yeah. It's crazy how Connecticut does that because not all states have that stuff. I mean, they have the urban um, deer control things and so on and so forth, but they definitely, right. I mean, Connecticut definitely makes it fun, especially, you know. So I, not, I went, to, went to school up in Maine. Remember, you know, you get there by hunting place, you're like, I can kill one fucking deer. Like and that's stock. it. <laughs> yeah, one deer, the whole season. But they also have uh, expanded archery uh, season, which is in southern Maine, more towards the city limits of Portland and Gorham, where you can kill a couple more deer. But, yeah, we're, you know, Connecticut isn't the best state to live in, but we are, we do have plenty of opportunities to have some pretty good hunting. And you, you actually took a very a very – good deer this year i mean you always take a very good deer every year but this one was kind of i guess was a little special to you man yeah this was you know it's like i always talk over the years like you know there's so much on social media you know guys naming deer and their 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 hit list and it's like here in connecticut it's like if i have 15 20 truck cameras out and i'm covering tens of thousands of acres public to private i'd be lucky to have two deer on camera that i'd call you know, shooters, maybe three in a whole season. 
you know, over the summer that you're watching and that are that you're getting on camera more than just a picture of it traveling through. So when it comes down to actually this last couple of years, I've had two or three deer that I've actually been able to keep track of. You know, and these are deer that I would have killed at three and a half years old, but I just never got the chance. So then four years old, never got the chance. And finally, a couple of them were five and six years old. And uh, this year was one of them. You know, he wasn't scoreable deer whatsoever. He'd be lucky if he breaks 100 inches, but he was a nice five and a half year old deer that just never, ever had anything for a rack, but had the same exact style of rack. I passed him up when he was two and a half, tried to kill him at three and a half, four and a half, finally killed him at five and a half. And that's, and that's what it's it. all about. That's what it's what it's all yeah. about, Drew. No, I mean, was... that's, you don't measure you measure in moments instead of inches, and you just to shoot a deer that's five six years old in our state, like you said, hundred inches, two hundred inches or not, that is a big, smart, mature animal. And right. He was he was in his prime. Big yeah, rack or not. It is one of those things where you know the deer that just drives you nuts. It's like I saw him so much when he was younger, and then he gets to that four or five years old. And at five years old, I didn't see him until I killed him. That one day, I did something different. This was on a, a small, small 50-acre piece of land. And the one morning, I did something different is when I killed him. Like, completely different in how I accessed the whole property. So, it's like, how many times he knew I was there. He was around, he, As he got older, he never left. He lived on that little tiny 50-acre piece of land for that entire season. And that's why I think your steps and your product is what makes people that, that extra edge of success because right. being able to be mobile and move throughout your hunt, the day, the season, the week, it doesn't matter. Those big bucks, they know. I don't oh, yeah. care how good you play the wind and your entry and your exit. They just know. And if you move 50, 100 yards and he's sneaking around, you, I hear more people say stories of, I did something different today. I moved a hundred yards and I shot the biggest buck of my life. Yep. It's so your yeah, product no, it's, is it's right. It's an for animal that. that's their their whole goal in life is to not get eaten. Right. Killed, you know, so they're living their life scared and in survival mode all the time. So I think you're a threat, you're a predator, so they know you're it. I think that's do, that's kind of what yeah, exactly. And I, and I totally agree with you. I think that's what makes a lot of people very successful is being able to do that whole mobile game. And like, it's not like, so like my entire life, I always went to the same stand, did the same thing year after year, you know, like a lot of people do. And then when I met you, Drew, got into the whole mobile hunting game and, and um, you know, saddle hunting and then learned that, bro, it's insane. I've seen three times as many deer as I've ever seen in a in a, in a hunting season, just being a mobile hunter and being a saddle hunter um taking different approaches being able to get into trees that i wouldn't be able to get into in in past seasons um i killed my biggest buck to date just hunting out of an area that i probably couldn't have got into with a regular tree stand and being a saddle hunter being able to get into those trees with steps and right. hunting and that area so much easier and so simple you know go from i've seen pictures of you carrying your old summit tree stand you're climbing yeah you know climbing the mountains and that you know how, how different is it now to just wear your saddle in I went on it's a hunt insane. Trev this past fall, and he watched me walk in with like a hundred pounds of fucking gear on my back, laughing. And I'm like, "You're just walking in with that, yeah. <laughs> like a little <laughs> yeah. little bag of fucking steps and his saddle and his bow." And I'm, but yep. he forgot his arrows, but still, <laughs> 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 but like that's a normal it just, experience. It like blew that. my mind. 
why have I been doing this for so long? Like just yeah. carrying this fucking heavy metal up these hills. But well, it's interesting, that. Ghost, that you bring that up because in Harrisburg, you actually finally gave in and you climbed up the pole there at his booth, and we got you in a saddle for the first time and let you play in it. And uh, what happened there? Blew my mind. Chained, blacked out, changed fucking light bulb. Whole... Dude, it was like, why the why haven't I been doing this? Yeah, there's so many guys, like, especially at the trade shows, the guys that swing by the shops, like, they're so against it. And, like, you literally, you can, you force them into the saddle. The second they get in it, they look at you like, holy shit. Like, yeah, I told you, I'm not lying. The motion and the range that you have now is, because that was my biggest fear. I'm like, I'm going to swing from what? And I'm going to have one strong side and a weak side. And then you get up there and you're like, oh, I can shoot anywhere. And I can climb anything like anything and shoot anything right now so like it's just it was a win-win comfortable excited um i plan on doing big things with one this year i really do we'll bringing one to oregon in september to try to shoot an elk out of a fucking tree with one that's my goal that's or well, you, wallow that's what we're gonna do you should be able to because i mean you were able to get up that pole in there and sit comfortably and feel comfortable hung over as you were that's what happens when you drink at the trade shows all of us you guys are just lucky that they're out of pickle juice okay did he like fight a bartender for pickle juice yeah just about and he he said he didn't have some and they found some and we just it was fucking a big deal Especially when we're there. I mean, and like when they make it in house. Row too. And oh. that was the whole Wild Edge crew, and yeah, that was the outdoor drive, and yeah, yeah, it was, that it was, was packed. Time. A little rowdy. Drew pulled the slick move. He was like, "Yeah, I'll come out with you guys," and then the the Wild Edge crew forced him into the truck so he couldn't go and fucking hang out with us, which was bullshit. I'm calling straight bullshit on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Just because you're smarter than us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Season. man. Yeah, but that whole mobile setup and, you know, getting up in that tree for the first time. Now I walk around looking in the woods saying, I can climb that. I can climb that. I could put a set there. And I've never had that range ability or mindset. Totally. And this this season's going to get fucking weird. Yeah. Even, you know, if you have presets up, it's all you have to do is throw your saddle on, hop in your truck, your bow, your backpack, and you go. You know, you're not right. you're not carrying tree stand and worry about putting tree stands all over the woods. And it's just makes makes life so much easier. Now, Drew, you do something that nobody in this industry does, man. You know, you see a lot of, you know, um, you know, husband wife teams, you see a lot of, you know, friends teams, but you you are you're a brother sister team, which is not yeah. something you see in this industry, man. Yeah, we have a, it's a family affair around here. So Lydia, my sister, works with me every day. Uh, we're super close. She hunts with me. She's a little killer herself. Um, so, yeah, Lydia works with us. She's uh, head of marketing. Uh, my wife, April, uh, handles all the finances and billing. Um, my mother-in-law works for us doing the customer service, a lot of emails. Uh, my cousin works for us doing all the shipping. Uh, my other cousin works part-time for us, so it's a... It's a big family around here, but Lydia and I are the, the main two that work together the most. And you guys hunt together regularly. Yep. 
I mean, you constantly yeah. see Lydia in the tree, and she's a killer herself. Like, yeah, she's she, a beast. When she was younger, she would, you know, she'd she'd come with me, and we'd always be together. You know, I'd be filming her. I've filmed. I'd filmed her kill every deer, well, up to like five or six deer. And then the last couple of years, she got confident enough, um, especially with saddle hunting, which made it a huge difference. She, you know, these past two years, she's been going out on her own. You know, so I, this season, I said, I'm not. Especially this season, I said, I'm not holding your hand. I'm not setting you up. You find your own property. You do your own scouting. I'll give you advice. I'll scout with you, but you're on your own. And she did awesome. Hell yeah. She learned, she learned a ton. And and that's one thing with saddle hunting. I mean, like, that's your baby sister. So you worry about her being in the tree. And the safety part of it is huge, man. Because you're constantly right. locked to the tree. You know, you don't have to worry about it, like climbing, ascending, and descending. Um, I mean, that's one of the bonuses definitely to saddle hunt. And I think a lot of people don't understand that you're constantly locked to the tree and it's safer than anything else. I mean, that was yeah, one dude. of my fears being such a big fucking dude and being up in the tree. Like it's a scary thing, but you're yeah, always you're locked always, in, man. You're always attached to the tree. That's the whole, the whole goal of it. So, you, and you can't forget your safety harness cause it's, it's around your waist. And yeah, I, mean, I, remember, I remember her sending her to tell my presets, um, years and years ago where you know there'd be a tree stand there or even when she first got into saddle hunting i'd be you know scared shitless it'd be dark i hadn't heard from her for an hour i'm like jesus christ is she you know, is she laying on the ground upside down or what so but now especially with mobile setups it's like you're always you have to be locked in you have to have your lines of mind around the tree you have to then hook your tether in i mean it's it just makes it brainlessly easy to be to, it forces you to be safe Absolutely. And, and then the another thing with the steps, man, is something that you, you brought to light also is that you can actually lock your, your tethered or your, your linesman right into, right into your step. So you're locked yeah, to the tree. Then. A lot of times guys have the, you know, that thought that they have to have, you know, three dump pouches. They have to have three ropes and carabiners and all this. 90% of the time I walk in with my linesman line, which is the converts in my tether. So as I'm climbing, I come to a limb. I, if I when I have to unhook my lines of mine, I just hook a carabiner to my bridge, snap it right to a step, and then unhook my lines of mine, go around the limb, attach it back to my loop, boom, unclip from the step, and I keep going. When I get to the top, my climbing height, same thing. Snap into a step, lines of mine comes off, becomes my tether. That's and then you're constantly, yeah, and you're safe at all times, man. Yep. It's definitely a crazy thing. I mean, yep. I don't know about you guys, but I cannot hunt properly and give my attention if I'm not safe. Like I've forgotten safety harnesses back in the day and, and just bent up in a tree and did it. And it's just an uncomfortable feeling. And I don't think anyone nowadays should be not harnessed in. You, oh, if you're no, not harnessed in one, yeah, sitting in a tree stand and, you know, I rarely ever wore a safety harness unless my dad yeah. was yelling at me, walking out of the, out the door and forced me to use it. But you know, I'd be sitting in a tree stand, you know, you get that feeling where you're falling asleep, you're going forward. Oh, yeah. You chicken chicken turtles. Yeah. So it's like with saddle hunting, you you have to be tied into the tree. I love it. I absolutely love it. Now, those just things. Think, just touching on the steps real quick. Uh, a lot of people seem to have been concerned with, you know, the weight and what they'll hold and what they'll do. You <laughs> you are living equipment on these some bitches. Yeah. So yeah, I've, I've hung uh four wheelers with me standing on it. I lift the rear end of my tractor up. I picked up the whole front end of my 
8,000 pound excavator. I had the blade three feet off the ground before the rope actually broke. I've the other day I actually did a video. I put a my 2,000 pound scale. I attached it to the perch, and then had the our new six millimeter Prusik and the eight millimeter rope attached to the scale. And I pulled down on the perch. I hit just over a thousand pounds, and that the step actually just bent. So it bent the step all the way over, and then it just finally just flipped over. But it went over a thousand pounds. So for all the big guys out there, weight's not an issue. Yeah, no, they're. I when mean, you start thing, all the saddle hunting equipment, it's like every rope's rated for, you know, four or 5,000 pounds and it's, it's complete overkill, but it's everything's, if it's climbing rated, it's safer than you'll ever need to worry about. Especially for the bigger guys. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Us rednecks <laughs> are not the littlest guys in the world. I was waiting and, on you to jump in. Trev. Yeah, no. And you know what? And it's, and it's, so I'm, I'll go into the tree stand thing and like how it's kind of like, but this has changed my hunting game. Um, especially before when I wasn't the fittest dude in the world. Now I'm a little bit more and a little bit more limber, so on and so forth and stop eating Twinkies and Ho-Hos when I'm on the road. But the, when I was in a tree stand, they're only rated for fucking 300 pounds. Well, I was 280 and then you put 20 pounds with a backpack and you're, you know, you're gone or whatever. And then you're in a tree and now you're getting a little leery when you're in a saddle. I'll carry someone on my back, you know, and not have to worry about it. I mean, just, just metaphorically, cause I could never carry anybody on my back, but, um, <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're a lot safer up there, man. And it's definitely, it changed, it changes a lot of things. You know, you don't have to worry about it. You can go home to your wife and kids. You can, you know, you don't have to worry about those things. So saddle hunting has definitely changed it for a lot of us and it's been around forever. And you just feel like a ninja. You do. You definitely feel like a ninja. And that's the other thing with them. Like, the way that the way that you sit in a tree, I mean, how many times have you had a deer look up at you and then just go back to grazing or doing its thing because you're actually set on a branch instead you look like a branch more than you look like you're five feet out from the tree and just a blob. Yeah, people people too. Can't tell you how many people I've had walk by me and you know, they just they, they never see you. Because you actually look like when you're skyline, you actually look like a tree and you're not yeah, you look just like, you look like a limb. You know, there's it's like when you're still hunting, you're looking for, you know, you're looking for small features of the deer. Like, you know, the you're looking for his back. So his back being parallel to the ground, you're looking for an ear, you're looking for little tiny things. So like when you walk through the woods, you see a tree stand that's coming straight off the tree at a 90 degree angle. You're like, it, it just doesn't look natural. So when you're saddle hunting, you're, you know, at a 45 or coming off the tree, just like a limb. Absolutely. So you're not you're not only a hunter, man, but you're into bow fishing, fishing. I mean, you do just about everything in the outdoors, not just hunting. Oh yeah, everyone's at. Are oh, you pumped for turkey season? I'm like, no, I'm itching to go stick some fish. Yeah, <laughs> I'm dying to go bow fishing. I know. <laughs> I looked at my wife the other night. I'm like, babe, uh, I think tonight I'm like a bow fishing. She looked at me like she wanted to kill me. I'm like, okay, I'll wait a little bit. I'll wait till the little guy sleeps in more than three hours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I've been on your ass too, texting you. We going bow fishing? We going bow fishing? Yeah, we going bow fishing? Good too. Then we get all this rain and you know, the river oh. just muddies up, but it'll get good soon. And that's and that's another thing. I mean, like, take us through that. Like, what what how you bow fish and what you do, man? Because it's not it's not just hunting, dude. Yeah, no, it's we got obsessed with it. My buddy, t- I always wanted to try it. My buddy took me out during the day once. We went out by the casino. And uh, 
stuck my first fish and I was like, this is insane. This is like, this is the most fun I've ever had. And, but then I kept, you know, with the glare and the sun and everything, I'm like, this has got to be way better at night. Like nighttime's got to be the right time to do this. So we went out, my buddies and I, we got these cheap ass rigs, threw it on. We had one bow with a hand reel on it. We had one arrow and we go out with tack lights on our, just tape tack lights onto our bows. And we started killing fish and that turned into, then we got, you know, put a pallet on the front of the boat and that turned into a shitty aluminum platform. And that turned into a super fucking crazy platform that I spent a whole winter building uh, that turned into 14 LED lights on the boat and then turned into two trolling motors. And now we have complete uh, nitro setups with the bows and real gear. And we just got so obsessed, but it's just so fun because you're, you're, you're hunting fish. You know, I get so bored with just normal fishing. It drives me nuts. But when you're just searching for fish and then when you stick a 40, 50 pound carp with an arrow in your hand line pulling it in, it's, it, nothing gets better than that. And you start at sunset and you look at your watch, it's 4 a.m. You're like, well, fuck it. Might as well go till the sun comes up. And we'll kill on a, good, on a good night. I mean, we'll kill 40, 50 carp. And, and not only, and not only just carp, man, you, you shoot butterflies, like a lot of butterflies. Yeah, you're the one that, you know, kind of got me thinking about it because you used to do a ton of carp fishing and about how, you know, how rare that was. And then I started talking to like other guys around the country, um, guys like Bull Fishing TV, Jason. He was saying he's out in Missouri. He's like, I'm showing a picture. He's like, holy fuck, those are massive. I'm like, are they? Like, those are just average fish that we're shooting. He's like, you don't understand how good you have on the Connecticut River. Like he said, you have some monster carp. So then we mm-hmm. started really thinking about it. We just, nobody did it around here. Like nobody bowfish. They see her in my boat at the gas station. Like, what the fuck is that? Like, ah, oh, don't worry about it. But uh, yeah, no, we we have some of the best bowfishing around around the country right here, right in my backyard. Yeah. And they're protected. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't, don't get me going. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of crazy that, that they actually do that because... You know, another another place is they've definitely they I mean they fucking there's a they just kill barrels and barrels and barrels worth of fish and we're only allowed to shoot fucking two in our creel limit. I think they up to five. Oh, it's the I'm sorry. Trophy carp management area, what they call it, and it's basically just a so the state can make money because people come from all over Europe. They come here to carp fish. So and they just. Yeah, they just keep them protected, which was something that kind of got passed underneath the. Yeah. the when I it, it is what it is. The DP guys, I said, so how how am I going to measure a fish that's underwater if I'm shooting with an arrow? <laughs> <laughs> I said, can I shoot it, bring it on the boat, measure it, and then release it? So, yeah, as long as you're not keeping it, it's okay. So now technically, just, you're yeah, fishing. Release, yeah. Yeah, technically you're fishing. So fuck yeah. it, it is what just it is. Yeah, we used to shit. We used to pile up the boat with so many fish that we'd barely make it back. We'd have like two inches of reboard. <laughs> I wish we had more species other than just fucking carp here though. Cause like oh, you see everybody I'm else. Alligator like, gar so bad. Me too, man. We gotta go but they're so far away. Dude, I'll tell just, you what, just bring the boat down here and we can put in this river is loaded oh, and nobody true. hits it. That'd be so oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, dude. And you have blue cats and everything else. Blue cats, channels, yellows. Uh, I mean, all it's only six hours. Pretty much anything you could think of, and nobody. The section of river I like to go on, it's shallow, it's deep, and it's got everything. I'm down. Let's do it. 
Yeah, let's 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 make that happen. You boys are gonna get a C. <laughs> yeah, we're we're actually headed down there. Um, we're leaving here. It would be what Wednesday, right? Wednesday. Yeah, early. Yeah, so we're headed down there to go turkey hunting to open for their turkey hunting season, which they're opening Saturday, but we're going down on Wednesday and we're gonna hunt uh Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, we might make an actual special trip. I don't know yet. It's still in the works, but we might uh meet up with uh G and shoot some fish, possibly if we can get away with it. Actually invite Dick. <laughs> I know you don't no talking jump you're gonna car. say that. <laughs> jump in the jump in the car. <laughs> I know with well, the baby uh, I know you can't get out. No. Especially with the baby. And that's a tough thing. I mean, balancing all that stuff, bro. It's gotta be pretty it's gotta wear on you. Not wear on you, but it's gotta be a very hard thing to do. Yeah, you're just kind of going to survival mode. Like my wife says, she goes from finding Nemo. I go, just keep swimming. She looks at me. I'll be like ready to pass out. She goes, just keep swimming, babe. Just keep swimming. <laughs> oh, you need that support. Was, like get up to feed give the baby a bottle. I'm like, oh my god. But no, it's by at the end of the day when you come home, and you see your boys, and there's my older boy. He's so excited to see me. It's like he's glued to my hip. He wants to do everything I'm doing. He's obsessed with dirt, rocks. Dinosaurs, diggers, machines. I mean, he's just the kid can occupy himself just playing in a pile of dirt. And he constantly is finding night crawlers. And I mean, he's just, he's just into it. He's going to be a savage hunter. I went fishing last weekend and he caught a nice rainbow trout. He was all pumped. Oh, yeah. I love seeing pictures of that, man, because you're constantly bringing them out. I mean, last year you were pumpkin seed fishing with them in the pond and. Yep. Now it's trout, and I can't wait to see him slinging a bow on the front of the rig. Oh, he's wild, man. He's already been shooting his BB gun at two and a half years old. <laughs> nice. You're going to owe the neighbors some new new, new windows. Yeah, I'm kind of fearful. I was kind of a hellion growing up, so we'll see. It's, it's that definitely- day you come home, and there's a line of birds on the porch, and he's going, look what I got. <laughs> You better start butchering son. You got to eat them. That was my rule growing up. My dad said, anything you kill, you got to eat. Like, you know, rule. And chipmunks and shit. I ate everything. Yeah, and you saved the skulls of everything. Oh, yeah. Because you have yeah. a love for skulls like I do. Oh, yeah. We have an obsession. It's a bad, bad thing. Drew yeah. also has a colony of, of bugs um, and does the same exact thing as I do with the beetles. It's oh, no shit. Like, I didn't know that. At my old shop, I had, uh, it was my first colony. I had this, uh, as you walked in, when it came through the metal shop, you came into like the splicing and packaging section. And it was like right there to the left, there was a, a there was a big fridge that was on its side. And people would ask, the buck's in there. Like, oh, don't worry about it. You just like eating beetles. <laughs> Dead shit. <laughs> I, had a, I had an exhaust that went all the way out, outside. It's like you pull into the shop sometimes, you'd be like, whoo. <laughs> try and have that shit at your house bro <laughs> try to pull in the trev's oh, driveway bro <laughs> <laughs> i can smell trev's house down the street yeah, yeah but you, you get the so, wind right so can all the birds of prey when they're fucking all around my house and the neighbors are like why is there a fucking oh, dirty God, vulture yeah. sitting on the top of his house <laughs> i when i put a my buddy's elk skull in there last year i was like dude i had i had buzzards flying around for a week that or a bear skull those stink mm-hmm. oh yeah Definitely greasy. So you found something else with the beetles actually. That's kind of cool, especially for the bow fishermen. Um, you saved a fin, one of the fins. What fin do you save? 
and it's yeah, something that's, that's really cool. It's actually the gill plate. So if you, you kill a carp, you can feel like right, right on the outside of their gills, right in the front, they have like these armor plates that are literally bone. So one time we were, uh, we, we had, we had killed a couple carp and we brought one back that would have won the state record. And it was like, we shot it at night, brought it back the next morning. We actually weighed it, you know, after it had been bleeding and in the boat all night, it came in at 53 pounds. I think the record was like 52 or something. No, we're 43, 12 right now. Is it really? Yeah. Whatever it was, we would have smashed it. Won. Yeah. But anyway, so we just, we had hooked it behind the shop and a couple weeks later, Bull and my dog came back with the actual gill plate. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Like, huh? Must be a carp. So I just, I whitened it. And then it came out so cool. And after that, I just started saving them. So they're really, really cool. It's definitely something to say. I mean, the trophy on it just save the fucking gill plate. I think it's the most yeah. badass thing ever, dude. And I've never seen it. And I was like, wow, that's fucking cool. Yeah, no, it's, it's super cool. Especially to add to the collection, man. It's just, it, it just, it's different. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I also started saving uh, all the turkey heads and do mm-hmm. uh, turkey skulls. And when you mount the fan, put the plaque on the fan. And then put the skull like over the beard to kind of hang the beard behind the skull. It looks sick. Yeah, it's Trev, cool. you're going to have to do a couple of those after this trip. <laughs> I was hoping he wasn't going to say anything. No, <laughs> you, you're locked in now, man. Yep. Yeah, I started doing it with uh, with a bunch of ducks, like sea ducks, your eiders, your yeah. scoters, uh, bluebills. I mean, I did a, a whole line of them, um, and it's just cool to have, man. It's just cool what those beetles can actually do. Yeah, no, it's I mean, it's insane. Once you clean a skull of beetles, you never never boil another one again. It's it's a crazy obsession. Um, people just don't understand it. No, they would never they don't understand, understand owning a hundred thousand flesh eating beetles, <laughs> especially when they get out of run around the house. Yeah, no oh, shit. Oh, don't, don't even. That was that was crazy. I don't think Drew knows about that. So I had ordered from Ken, and um, I got the box home. And I'm down in the shop and I'm fucking around with it. And I open up the box and one of the, the containers, like he sent it in a sour cream container, it fucking broke open. So inside of the box, there was just, dude, I had taken all the paper out and I didn't realize that they were crawling with fucking beetles. Dude, they were all over my basement and I'm trying to like corral them back up and put them in a jug. And it was not good. Not good. It was hilarious. I ain't going to lie. Yeah. I'm on the phone with Steven and my wife comes home. I'm like, oh, this isn't going to be good. Uh, the you know, they'll get into your mounts too. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of that's a, a lot of people don't understand that. Like they love foam, they yeah. live in foam, and that's how they breed is inside of foam. So like, if you have actual mounts inside of your house, you'll literally come home and your mount will be on the fucking ground. Yeah, Antlers and colony in that fridge, they chewed through the plastic liner into the insulation of the foam, and they were living like inside the fridge. And that's what killed them all. It's insane. They, they they get into everything, dude. If you don't if you don't use the the silver HVAC tape, they will literally get into anything and everything, and it will. Oh yeah, they're nuts. But they're cool to have, and they definitely make some cool cool stuff, like with paddlefish, and you can do some very cool, intricate stuff with them. Um, I've always wanted to do like a full skeleton or something. <laughs> we were talking about that in Iowa. Funny you say that because. Um, I actually recently just had somebody ask me to do their entire cat. Dude, I got so many. When I had that, when I had my skull taxidermy on, on my website, I told you so many, how many stories I had mm-hmm. of people wanting me to do their cat or their dog. Yeah. Like, their- your dog? Like, yeah. Did you, did you cut your dog's head off yourself? 
what the fuck is going on dude no i'm not doing your dog's head or your cat okay and what's the weirdest thing you guys have had to do or chose to do i should say i refuse to do the cats and dogs i refuse um, to do anything other than white tails or like just weird like chipmunk squirrel shit like that i'm not doing your fucking precious pet it's just not happening no. i'm not i'm not you the, what's weird, the weirdest thing the nastiest thing was I hadn't had, I got sick of doing it online with all the CWD bullshit and, you know, just trying to get people to ship on time because I would get so many skulls in the mail that would just be rotten. So it was one time my aunt is actually the postmaster post office in town and she called me. She was like, uh, Drew, there's a package for you outside. You might want to come get it. really fucking smells. It's been sitting here all weekend. It was like, oh, July weekend. man. And for three days, there's some dude that just didn't even contact me, just sent me a bobcat skull. And it was just, oh, it was disgusting. It wasn't even skinned, but it was just literally, li- it turned into liquid in the box. Oh, it was nasty. You, you don't realize the world of people that are out there, man. Like when I started getting into the Beatles and the whole like bone taxidermy thing, the fucking people that are out there that are fucking weird is huge. Oh, yeah. The weirdest people, they get like mummified, like, coyote penises and paws and fucking weird shit man they are crazy crazy people out there that just want like the weirdest things man but it's cool for me for my collection because i can buy weird things like i got a uh i have a a one month old black angus skull um a stillborn sheep skull um just weird shit that i think is weird but they they think that shit's normal dude the weirdest weirdest thing i've ever heard of was a dude lost his hand in an accident and wanted to have his hand done so he could have it with him. I think that'd be pretty cool. I was like, whoa, that's kind of morbid. <laughs> can I keep can I keep my trigger finger? Can you just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trev, if you lost your hand, you'd probably do that, right? I would. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. the bone the bone. Put, yeah. Put I mean, I got it. it. Like, yeah, bro, that was my hand. I'll add it, I'll add it to my collection of bone. Yeah. I don't care. Fuck it. If it's my body part, that's fine. But I don't want weird people's things. Like, yeah, no. I don't know. No, keep, I'm not into that. Stuff. Dog at home. Keep your dead animals at home. That's not. It's just. It's fucking crazy that people want to do stuff like that. I don't get it. Yeah. I, I the coolest I, skull that I got is the definitely the mountain lion. That's a I, badass skull. It doesn't get any more badass than that. Thing. Yeah. I've done some some badass shit. Like I've done mountain lions. I've done wolves. I've done, you know what the coolest skull is, dude? And I want one in the worst way. And if anybody kills one and doesn't want it, you can send it my way. I'll send you your address. Is uh, I want a javelina skull. Um, I want to yeah. kill a javelina. It's on my list. But the skulls are the most badass things you will ever see in your entire life. Like, they're just the coolest little fucking pig skulls you will ever see. Um, Again, beaver skulls are pretty sick, too. People don't understand, you know, the teeth. Like after the skull is done, you take that tooth and you can you pull it out and it just keeps coming and coming and coming. The thing's like six inches long. Like yeah, people don't understand that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, muskrats are the same exact way. They're just a miniature. Yep. They're just a miniature beaver. Yeah. Um. Any your any? I mean, dude, squirrel skulls are wicked cool. Uh, I've got chipmunk skulls. I mean, they're all badass. And to save them, and and you know what? For anybody who's who's like listening to this and you're like, well, I can't get beetles, so on and so forth. Another way to do um small game is actually finding an old crock pot and what you do is you put it on low and you take 
the you take the skull and you put it in water in a Ziploc bag. So you skin it out. You basically and then you be it. Yeah, literally. They, they call it macerate. Yeah, they call it macerate. Um, but you can actually take it and put it inside the crock pot on low, and it will actually, you know, cook the cook the meat right off of it, and then you can whiten them that way. So that's another way of doing it for everybody who doesn't have beetles. So you can still have a cool skull collection. Also, I don't or you recommend can anyone them. uses their wife's good cooking crock pot. <laughs> oh, no. I'm about to piss off Mrs. Ghost Hunter real soon. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it inside the fucking house. I don't know how many times do you see on the internet guys are fucking boiling skulls oh, on their yeah, fucking yeah. stove. In their garage. Oh, oh dude, I, I'm guilty. I, I'm not going to lie. I have done it because it was the only option I had at the time. My wife hated me. <laughs> Buy a fucking turkey roaster and do that shit outside. Some things are not meant to be inside. And boiling skulls on the stove is not one of them. Hey, I, I trimmed most of the meat off. I debrained it. I cleaned it up. So it was doesn't, pretty doesn't much matter. just meat. It I helped. think I just puked in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I would... When I was boiling skulls, that's why I bought got beetles because I had a between me and my buddies. One day we started boiling skulls. We had like eight of them, and we're halfway through it. We ran out of propane. My buddy's well, his dad came out. We had to stop using the well because it was running low. We're like, this is fucking stupid. I could literally boil them, put your rain gear on, power washing the shit off. You got brains and shit hitting you in the face. It was like this really sucks. And then when the skull's done, you they're still. There's still shit inside the nasal cavity. You break the nasal cavity, blow it apart. Oh, yeah. Once you get one clean with the beetles, it's like, it's literally pristine. And you don't have to do Everything shit. is perfect. Yeah. yeah. Whole nasal it's cavity, definitely. you can see everything. It's Hardest like, it's like museum quality. Yeah. Yeah, people don't understand that and how expensive they are and how fucking tough they are with moisture and temperature. Yeah, how, and... how many colonies of yours have died? Well... It's insane. A lot. A lot. Yeah, my, my last one totally wiped out. You get mites or you get this or, you know, with moisture, they got to be at 30% moisture and this temperature. And it's just, it gets crazy. But Or, or bugs, other bugs get inside of them. Um, you, you don't realize what spiders will do to a beetle colony. That's what I have, um, spiders. Yep. I mean, ants, any of them, they all carry diseases and they'll definitely fuck them up. So I got to ask, we're talking about weirdest things. What was the weirdest thing that ever happened with you traveling hunting? I got to do a pee break first, though. Oh, you always have to do pee dude, breaks. I'm, dude, it's been a while. <laughs> I know. I forgot about that. You're like the worst pee break guy ever. I'll be right back. All right. So during this break, there are a few people we want to reach out, say thanks to, let you know who they are and where you can look into them. Trev, who do you got? Nor'easter Game Calls. Get them in close. Nor'eastergamecalls.com. Get your prospector series. Your 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 ghost series crow call. Oh. Yeah. Exactly. Go on there, Nor'easter Game Calls. Check them out. Get the little mother clucker with the outdoor drive logo. Get on there. Get check out, you know, crow calls. Grunt calls. Don't forget about your grunt calls for the upcoming fall season. Also, broadside camo broadsidecamo.com go on there get your ascender series your versa light series for your turkey hunting this coming up season at broadsidecamo.com use promo code outdoor drive also ethicsarchery.com ethics archery if you don't shoot ethics fuck you use promo code outdoor drive 10 to save yourself some at 
at ethicsarchery.com. Also, get Jillified at Wicked Twisted Bowstrings, wickedtwistedbowstrings.com. Go and help her out. Check her out. She's doing 20% off. What's the promo code on that one? Shit. Outdoor Drive? No. No, no, no. She has her own. No, she has her own promo code that she's running 20% off. I think you can find it at wickedtwistedbowstrings.com. Um, also, deathwishcoffee.com. Deathwish Coffee, fueled by death. The death cast with the wicked, amazing Jeff. Promo code Outdoor Drive. Also, DM Custom Arrows. DM, DMArrows.com. You want custom arrows? Check them out. Gary Hall at DM Custom Arrows. And we're back from the world's quickest piss break. World's <laughs> quickest piss break. <laughs> Sorry. So, Drew, as we were asking before, um, what, what's the craziest thing that you've seen while you're on the road um, hunting? Uh, for work? Yeah. Uh, I say the craziest place was I was in Guam for a couple months, uh, killing Philippine deer and pigs. So those uh those deer were pretty crazy. And just the environment there, just working in the jungle, that was pretty nuts. Uh, we were working on the naval mag in the Anderson Air Force Base, um, killed a couple thousand deer and over a thousand pigs. Wow, that's insane. What are those deer like? They're weird. They're like. They're kind of like a mini elk. You know, the rack looks like an elk, but, uh, you know, like a big male would be, it's, you know, a little smaller than a whitetail. Is it um, like a Sika? Like, yeah, they kind of look like one. I'd say a little bigger than a Sika. Um, but they're weird. They have like this kind of like a bark. Like, you know, it'll be dark and you're in the middle of the jungle and here like this. It's, it's a, just a weird bark. Like almost, they almost sound like a dog. Wow. Huh. Uh, That's gnarly. But, yeah, they're, like, they're pretty like cool similar animals. to an elk bark. No, it just it would be. You could probably Google, look it up. It's kind of like right. a almost like a scream, scream bark. No, I got some. I got some videos on it. It's pretty cool. That's badass. Yep. Did you eat any of them when you were out there? Uh, we donated all the deer were donated to the locals. It's a it's a delicacy out there, but the, it was a weird thing. The the Philippines they had a tradition that they would make head soup. So yes. skin the skull, put the whole entire thing in soup and brains in it and everything. Well, the fucked up part was every animal we shot was shot in the head with a lead projectile. <laughs> and we used super grainable bullets, 40 grain bullets that go in the head and do not exit. So they explode inside the head. So you have all that, all that shards of lead inside the head and they're boiling the soup and eating it. Oh, jeez. So we we had to put labels on the bags, you know, do not consume. Yeah, we'll pass on that one. Yeah. That's fucking gnarly. (laughs) No one, one, like, no one, no one dug out like a couple back straps or tenderloins before you dropped them off. You never got into that meat. No, we never messed with the deer meat. Um, And the the pigs, we couldn't donate because of trigonosis, USDA regulations. Yeah. But uh, we ate a few pigs. So I guess you just led right into one of our segments, and it is uh, when you're on the drive, what is your favorite fuel, meaning your go-to food when you're on the road? I'd say jerky. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, well, you got to go a little more in depth. Yeah, you know, why, why is that? Teriyaki, pepper, turkey, venison, you know, what you go um, to? I'm, I'm a pepper guy. All right, now we're talking. Pepper jerky. I had a, a 
I think over 150 pounds of beef when I did my last two steers and I had the butcher make it into jerky and it just came out unbelievable. Hell yes. Wow. The butcher yeah, did my, it for you. You didn't have to do it yourself. Yeah. He's like, cause he kept saying, you want me to do this? You want me to do that? Short ribs, this, this, that. Smoke this, smoke that. I'm like, fuck yeah. And then he looks at me and goes, I don't really offer this to many people, but you want me to make you jerky too? I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Load it up. Because <laughs> you guys know how much of a chore it is to make jerky. Ugh. I just pulled out two packages of elk to do it for our trip this coming week. It's going to yep. be a, it's a process. It's My a man. Labor, it's a labor of love. Yeah, I got some shit coming up this weekend. I don't, they don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> don't yeah, get us going yeah. already. You're going <laughs> to give fucking. Dude, this this yeah. road fuel could be a bad idea because every time we do it, we're going to end up hungry. Just yeah, road, <laughs> road, road, That's the kind of guy you bring to a deer camp. Fuck it. Oh, yeah. Why do we keep oh, him around? All those pictures he's posting, it's like, damn. Dude, you don't even know. That's why people keep me around. <laughs> it's the only reason I'm friends with them. That's why I went on so many hunting trips when I was a kid. They were like, if you cook for us, you could fucking come. Like, fuck yeah, I'm all about yeah. it. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And that's the thing. Since we're quarantined right now, I have been doing recipes that take like two or three days long because I have the fucking time. I have time to brine. I have time to smoke. I have time to dry. You know, it's like if you ever had, if you're like looking for something to do and you like to cook, right now is the kind of fucking time to do some fun shit. So I got some cool recipes coming out, some different stuff that I've been working on that uh can't wait to share with you because I know you want to get in the kitchen. You want to learn how to fry some shit up. Yeah, I just did a, I did a beef broth for the first time with all the nice. knuckle bones. That was, that was a process. Did you roast the bones first? I did, yep. Put them in the oven, roasted them. And then, uh, shit, I had them simmering on the stove for over a a day, over 24 hours. How many times did you you fill it up and reduce it by half? I might have added water to it once. Nice. Um, But then I strained it. um, Then I let it sit outside and all the fat came to the top. Yep. I scooped the fat off, which I assume was the right thing to do. Yeah, um, for your for your stock. Yeah, but uh, you know, stock. It was. I know it's super healthy for you. It wasn't the best taste and stuff in the world, um, but it was pretty good. Well, next time you get some more beef bones, I'll show you a couple tricks to make that shit taste really sweet. Oh, dude, so, I have a ton. The the butcher gave me everything. Yeah, I got some I got, weird. I, yeah, I wouldn't even know what to do with. You got to come over and just. I'll give you yeah, I mean, I'm, the I'm all I'm all about it. I'd love to share some little tips on making that shit really nice. Cause, cause, uh, ox, I've heard oxtail is the best beef broth to make from. Oh, yeah. So it's I a lot have, of fat, you know, but it's also have, it's really great meat. That's what I've heard. You can eat it too, yeah. And shit, I got you know, pig you can, I don't even know what to do with that. I have all the pig fat, the lard. All right, well, we'll do some episodes. We'll get we'll get together, go yeah. to your house, or you come to my new lab, and you know, as soon as this quarantine slows down a little bit, we'll... uh jump in the kitchen i'm down with that so you're like a man that lives off the land too seems like yeah yeah i grew up i mean you're like the farm next door to my house i worked there my entire all through middle school high school um when i got back from college so i grew up raising cattle so once we got the land i just dove right back into it we did pigs last pigs and we had two cows and four pigs last year my cousin and i well, three cows. Well, one cow got loose for five weeks, and I ended up putting <laughs> in the head in the middle of the woods. That's right. I forgot about that. Yep. Wild, wild, wild cow. But so, yeah. be- so hmm? 
It's a ton of work. I I don't know if you process any of your animals. I know you said you had a butcher and, you know, to process cattle and pigs is a massive amount of work. Yeah. Um, So I'll process all my deer and any wild game. And when I did pigs the first time a couple of years ago, I did it all by myself. And I said I'd never do it again until I had a real setup, like a cooler, you know, an industrial kitchen with a drain on the floor. I mean, a bigger grinder because those two pigs, I can remember – my dad and I, we were grinding meat for a day and a half and packaging right. and grinding and packaging. And then just to kill them, then we scalded them, you know, scraped all the hair off. It was hot. There was flies. We're trying to keep the meat right, bringing the quarters to the smokehouse. It was it was a freaking chore. So I said, I'd never do it again until I had the legit setup. So I found this butcher a couple towns over, and he came, picked up the, picked up the cows and the pigs, same time. Same trailer, took him around to a USDA kill facility, killed them, hung them there, and then he he packaged them all, chiropractic them. You know, everything's beautifully labeled. It was just, it was a no-brainer. Then he made me hot dog, kielbasa, sausage, you name it. So he had a oh, full yeah. smoke awesome, out there as well. So it was no Yeah, brainer. the amount of work. All that, the amount all of work. The money work into raising them. It's like, I don't want to fuck up the meat. Fuck myself. it up. Yeah, the first time I did my full pig by myself, I I was a day and a half into it. And you oh, yeah. want to save everything. And I mean, I'm saving the inner fats. I mean, we're getting ready to make charcuterie. We're doing all the feet. You know, we're doing, you know, porchettas and roasts. It's like two days into it, it's fucking, it, it's out of control. So it's oh, just yeah. like I, you know, when I first shot my uh, an elk in Oregon, I told everyone, I'm like, I want to butcher this thing and do it myself. And they all laughed at me. You know, I was young. I was I, I could tackle the world, and then just I did my first pig, and I'm like, "Fuck that!" <laughs> <laughs> you need, and that's what you were saying. Like, you need the facility, you need a commercial space, drains, coolers, refrigerators, all the nine. And um, until yeah, that, I and got that, to, you know, age the meat. So how in the world am I gonna age? Am I gonna hang two six hundred pound steers? You know, right? You have to have right. a walk in cooler, so. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of work, and it's like you know raising the animals. You're not you're not doing it to make money. I I sell quite a bit of it, but by the, at the end of it, you're lucky if you break even. You just do it because I love raising raising the meat, and you know I have you know where it's coming from exactly. Feeding my family, good shit. Right. So right it's now you're not having to go to the grocery store and stock up. No, it's everyone's freaking out. It's like somebody <laughs> posted a picture. It's like I have a eight foot long chest freezer stock full, and then a a stand-up tall freezer that's completely chuck full of anything you ever want so now you know everyone when you're raising animals like okay i'll put you put you down how do you want a quarter cow half a cow and they're like oh yeah yeah, i'll, t- I'll take a half cow no problem and they come they see how much it is and they're like oh no i'll just take a couple steaks yeah and exactly. then now the quarantine started everyone's freaking my phone's blowing up hey you got any meat you got any meat nope yeah you're not you're not you're not being cheap now are you exactly (laughs) (laughs) that's crazy so i I gotta no go ahead i was just gonna say this is a time for hunters to be thriving i mean for to to have what we have in our freezers our fridge our you know our canning from just whatever we've been doing like we're designed for this whole pandemic right now exactly that's where i was gonna go is like it's crazy that people like talk all that on us when it comes to hunting and so on and so forth but then when things like this happen everybody wants to know i mean there was how many how many gun um background checks was there steve it was like 181,000 as of like two days ago yeah and they were non they were non 
prior gun owners. Yeah, like and all first-time buyers. Biggest gun sales in, yeah, I forget how many years they said. but And they said, and how many uh, mass shootings have we had? None. Zero. Yeah. <laughs> I've had so many family members that um, my in-laws and everyone that don't own guns come to me. Hey, uh, can, can I, I borrow, borrow one? Gun? Yeah. It's like, oh, you, you thought guns were stupid before. Because we've had so yeah. many break-ins around here. We had six in the last two days, like within Jeez. a quarter mile of my house. Guys, you know, opening, they're coming from the city, open cars just to steal change. And my sister's boyfriend actually had, he's building a new shop. So he bought this property, cleared it. He had a couple of Connex boxes on his property where he kept all, he's a landscaper, he kept all his, you know, power tools, chainsaws, blowers, everything. Someone broke into that and stole over $15,000 worth of shit. Whoa. Fucking hate a couple weeks ago, yeah. Well, these fuckers are going to realize they're eventually going to open the wrong door and exactly. figure out that's not a good idea. Yep. Especially Can't now wait. with everybody being a gun owner. <laughs> good luck, Bob. And I'm sure yeah. they're all experienced gun owners too, and they all know how to fucking use them. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> we had no hundred and two thousand of them. <laughs> we had an old saying for a long time. All we would do, we just look at each other and go, "Wish a motherfucker would." <laughs> my wife got so pissed it was a couple weeks ago my sister's boyfriend came over he's like hey can I borrow a gun I'm like yeah you know how to use it like, yeah yeah kinda I shot a couple times I'm like alright so we just walked into the backyard and dumped a couple clips of 9 mil at like 10 o'clock at night I'm oh like, yeah impressed. I'm like hey I'd rather you know how to use it yep exactly and that's the responsible thing right but, but why, why do we need all these gun sales during a pandemic like unless you're going hunting which there's no season open where we're at right now. Like, I just don't get, like, what are you going to, toilet paper wars, pasta pirates? <laughs> I mean, there's no yeast or dry pasta in the stores and guns. It's like, what the dude, fuck, dude? The apocalypse is coming, man. Dude, it, it's too many people sitting on their asses watching fucking Netflix and would-be documentaries about how the world's going to end. Or the Tiger King. Oh, God, don't oh, even get me started. Don't Trev, I don't I even want to hear it, dude. Bro, it's my favorite show, bro. I'm I know. about to watch get it for my fuck third out time. Of here. I... <laughs> <laughs> it looks no. stupid, and it's like every morning I was feeding my son. I'm like, oh, fuck it. Everyone's talking about it. One morning, I'm like, I'll just check it out. And then you just get like addicted to it. I watched like the yep. whole series in two days. I've Everybody... yet to turn it on. I refuse to. Don't. Everybody was... Everybody was talking about it, right? So Johnny, me and Johnny were talking about it because they were going to talk about it on the podcast. And they were, you know, he's like, fuck that thing. That thing's the dumbest thing. Trevor, don't ever do it. Don't watch it. You know? And of course, it's like your parents telling you not to do something. <laughs> of course, you fucking turn it on and you watch it. Now you watch the whole entire series. You're like, all right, I feel way stupider, but it's definitely fucking worth watching. Like, oh, that's every, fucking funny. Every page you turn, it gets worse and worse. And you're like, what the fuck? And then it ends and you're like, all right, so what happened to... Jeff and what happened to this and like then you realize that it was actually recent and there probably oh, yeah. will be a sequel to that because there has to be because there's so much good shit in there and they're just raging token fucking rednecks which you're like ah, he lived a life drug <laughs> addict cat raising illegal rednecks okay so and, and like dude and one, episode and two got two husbands and the other fucking dude's got like four wives and they got no yeah. fucking 300 high can you say that the crazy dude with the husbands, what's his name? Joe. Uh, yeah, Joe Exotic. They said to feed the 200 some tigers, it took 30 cows a day. Jesus. A day. 30 cows a day. Yeah, it was like 200 grand a year in, in fucking feed for these things. 
bunch of meth smoking fucking crazy token fuck. You know, <laughs> Trev, when we were going to Iowa and I lost service, and when I came back in, I said, dude, I just drove through the weirdest fucking part of West Virginia ever saw. Yeah. It, it's pretty much there. <laughs> it's just not... Did you see a tiger? Do they, do they have tigers? Dude, the only thing I was looking for was the next fucking main road to the interstate. Oh, that place was crazy. fucking weird. <laughs> so, Drew, speaking of tigers and ligers and all that good shit, man, you <laughs> killed the mountain lion. I did. I think killed not many people do that. You want to take us through that? Yeah, we were. Uh, I went out to my buddy's outfit and business in Idaho. Um, my uncle, my cousin, my buddy. We went out two years ago. Uh, mainly to kill elk and uh they had the guy the head guide andy he was obsessed with uh running dogs uh for bear and lions and he actually started this outfitting business because he said he was just going broke and all he ever wanted to do is hunt and he said if he didn't become an outfitter he would have lost his house his family everything he was that addicted to hunting so he started this outfitting business super successful um and we're elk hunting and we're a little late in the season. The wolves are, had moved in. So we were into wolves like every day. They were everywhere. Found fresh kills. They were howling. Um, actually had a cool story about pissed my pants a couple of times. But uh, <laughs> anyway, we're, uh, we had about 30 dogs and, you know, we were staying at, at the camp. The dogs are all there. His family lives there. And we got super close to the whole family and, you know, we're helping feed the dogs at night. And then it was like the third day into it, bear season open for running dogs. And looked at my buddy, he's like, he kept talking about as a rail hunt. I'm like, this sounds fucking insane. Said he's like, You want to go bear hunting? I'm like, fuck yeah. So my uncle, I'm like, everyone's like, Are you serious? You'd rather kill a bear and run dogs and go elk hunting? I'm like, fuck yeah. Gotta, gotta try it, you know? And uh so the first morning we go out and it was just it was insane. I got so addicted. I would rather do that than I wanted to bear hunt the rest of the week than other than elk hunt. Uh so the first times like you're driving. You got the truck, you got the dogs in the back of the truck in the boxes, and you have the side-by-side -side on a trailer behind the truck, and you put the two strike dogs, which are the lead dogs, on top of the box, they're chains of the box, and I got a YouTube video on it, on our YouTube channel, and it's just the rush you get when those dogs strike, so when they strike scent, they just, the strike dogs will strike, and then the dogs in the box, when they know it's time, they start striking, which is, obviously, they're just howling. It, your adrenaline just spikes it's insane then you let the lead dogs go they jump off the truck and it's so funny because they'll they know the difference between a hot scent and a cold scent hot trail and cold trail sometimes they'll hit the ground and they'll just stop barking sniff around take a piss jump back on the box like all right let's go other times you know they'll run a little bit into the woods and you're watching them on a gps tracker they'll run you know 150 yards 200 yards and they'll come right back like nope not good hop back on the truck so the first day, no, we had, the first day we actually ran a bear for five and a half hours. Jeez. And then the strike dogs, once you know it's a hot trail, because the main dog, Fester, if it was a hot trail, he would never stop barking. Or if it was a cold trail, the second he got off the box, he'd stop barking. So strike dogs go, and then you just, each side of the box, my buddy would grab the door, I'd grab the other door, he let the other 12 dogs go, and it is just like a massacre, just running. You're just driving the log roads. They dip into the woods, and then you can see when they're closer to the bear, and then you're trying to cut. So the smaller bears, they'll they'll just run before they tree. 
until they get tired. The bigger bears, you know, five, 600 pounders will stop and fight and kill dogs. So it's just crazy to see how fast and how far a bear can run. This bear outran 12 dogs. I'm talking up mountains, down mountains. We're eight, 10,000 feet in elevation. Like they're going around mountains, up mountains, down mountains. And finally dogs start dropping back, dropping back. And the craziest thing is you're like, now you have 12 dogs running around, you know, hundreds of thousands of acres. How the fuck are you going to back? What well, is crazy. So the dogs will never go alone. They'll always stay in a pair when they drop back. So the bigger dogs will drop back. They'll hear your wheeler and they'll come and find you. All of a sudden you look at the GPS up. Oh, here comes Fester. Here comes Duke. Boom. You throw them in the side by side and you start rounding up dogs. And then you look down and you're like, oh, there's whoever and whoever. They're just sitting by a gate. And I'm talking there's elk hunters all over the place. Like there's a truck 100 yards from these dogs, and they know that's not their owner. So they sit by that gate and wait for you. It's absolutely insane. So then uh, it was like the second day. You know, we finished elk season. And then the following day, uh, a couple days before, we had been at the grocery store getting beer and food and stuff. And uh, – I saw that you could buy tags there. I said, what the fuck's a mountain lion tag cost? It's like 80 bucks. I'm like, what are the chances we tree a lion? He goes, ah, slim to none in the fall. I said, unless, unless the cats don't have much scent. So that's why they track them in the wintertime. They put yeah, them on a catch fresh them in the snow track. and get on a fresh yeah. cut. So in the fall, in September, October, he said, you'd literally have to drive right by them. They'd have to strike within, you know, 50 yards of the actual cat. They said, it's pretty rare. I said, well, 80 bucks is worth a chance. So, we were, we were all bear hunting that day. We had two groups of dogs going, my uncle, cousin, my buddy, and I. My buddy and I were in one truck, and the dogs immediately just struck. You know, we were, it, it just gotten light, and uh, let the strike dogs go. Boom, they treed what we thought was a bear right away. So we had our bows, and the guides had guns, and we had thought we were going to cut the, what we thought was a bear off on the road. We thought it was going to cross the road, so I just grabbed the guide, guide's gun ran down the road but then we saw that the dogs had treed so we ran and we were running up the mountain into the woods my buddy and i were the first ones there and we look up in the tree we're like holy shit that is not a bear like yeah it's a fucking mountain oh yeah and these dogs are going ape shit i'm talking the dogs are like biting the tree crawling up the tree it's like the craziest sound in the world it's like addicting like i would love to hear that sound again and uh so then my god gets there and we're walking around, we tie, leash all the dogs up, and we're, I'm walking around the tree, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, there's no way I could get a shot. It was so thick, and the thing was only, you know, 15 feet off the ground, but I could walk up the hill and just be eye level with them, and it's like, they're dark black eyes. He's just, like, staring at you. There's steam coming out of his no nose, and he's just, like, tail swaying, but he's not breathing hard. He's just super calm, just staring at you, like, I'll kill you. So then the guide, I had a, one of the guides, 243s. The other guy looks at me and my buddy he goes, you want a bigger gun? I'm like, what do you got? It's a 308. I'm like, yep, that'll do. <laughs> He's like, all right, find a shot. Let me know when you got a shot. So I was like, literally right under the line. Oh, yeah, I could shoot him right in the chest. Yeah, like, right, just tell me before you're going to shoot. And after you shoot, step up. He's, this guy's super red He's like, step up the hill. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, it's going to jump at you. <laughs> oh, <fuck. Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> that made me like really focus on the shot. I'm like, I can't shoot in the head because I want the skull. So I put it right in his chest and it just fell, hit the ground. And yeah, that was, it was, it was freaking awesome. And then my, that's gotta uh, be one of the scariest buddy, things uh, in the world though. It was, it was cool. The crazy thing he said, anytime he said, whoever you're with, when whoever has a gun and they're going to shoot the lion, the lion looks at that person. Like they know. 
They said the craziest thing is though, when you have kids with you, they always lock onto the kids. Oh no shit. Oh yeah. Even if the dude's pointing a gun at the lion, that lion's looking at the kids. Wow. It's crazy. Because they just know. I guess. Oh, dude, there's cats or something else. If you've never had one scream at you from a tree limb as you walk under it, you've never felt true fear. Yeah, he never screamed. I wish he had, but he was just super calm. And then we treed two other bears that my cousin and buddy shot. And it's funny, the bears are up in the tree. They're, they're panting, breathing heavy. They're, you know, just rustling around. They're moving. They're all freaked out. This lion was just like staring at you like, what the fuck are you going to do? Yep. Dude, they're cool. insane. But wow, just to watch the dogs work was, that was incredible. Like it, like watching a bird dog work is cool. Watching bear dogs run is absolutely insane. Yeah, I used to I used to coon hunt a lot with uh, tree and walkers, and it is like, dude, when those things let out and they tree, it is one of the craziest things in the world. Like you're saying, they bite the tree, they fucking try and get up it. Like oh, yeah. you don't realize how high a dog can actually climb in a tree um, when well, they're trying to get a coon, dude. They're, they're ruthless too, and it's cool because after you shoot an animal, you let it, you let the dogs go a couple at a time, let them off the leash. The reward is to you know bite and shake around the lion or the bear. But it's funny, they don't rip the fur or anything. They just grab onto it and shake. And like, you know what I mean? They're not like, you know, a dog run up to a dead deer and start ripping the hair out. They don't mess with the fur at all. They just grab it and they're just like really biting it. It's pretty cool. That's fucking awesome, man. Yeah, it's funny. The guy, you know, the dogs are, you know, they're chained up at their house in the their little dog house all year long. And the only time they get off is when they go hunt. So they know you go out the night before and you put all their GPS collars in front of which dogs you're taking. So you know to put them on in the morning. And those the second you put that collar down, they know. Like they're going. And they get so amped. It's insane. And the guy, you know, the dogs are he doesn't when they're all when they're at home chained up, he doesn't walk up to them and kiss them and love them. You know, nothing. They're just they're dogs. It's a whole different world. The second they treat something, he treats them like they're the cutest little puppy in the world. He's hugging them and kissing them. He's so freaking proud of them. It's pretty cool. Well, they know that they gotta do work, man. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. It's crazy how they're they're actually like a tool, you know? And then yeah. they get their love after, and they know they, they don't have the love and affection before, but they have it after once they actually do what they're supposed to do, and they just it's, – it's insane, man. It, it's the, cool. the they, they, work, they work as a pack, you know, like what's in, in their blood. They, they're running like a wolf pack. They have their leader. They have their subordinates. And then you have, the, you know, the younger dogs that it might be their first hunt, so they have no clue what to do, but they just follow. And that's how they learn. Yep. It's like people. Yeah. <laughs> <You should be. laughs> Kids. <laughs> so I, you're on the outdoor drive, man. So we ask one question and one question only here, and that is, what drives you outdoors? It's in my blood, man. It's just, uh, I guess it's just an instinctual, just feeling. It's like it's that, it's that drive that you just you want to go. You have to go. Like I, you know, I'll be cooped up even in the off season. I just, you know, I turn into a workaholic and I'm just constantly working and family and working. I just have that desire where it's like, you know what? I got to go coyote hunting. I just got to go in the woods. I got to do something. And once you're in the woods, it's like everything makes sense. So it's like, it's what, it's what keeps me sane. Absolutely, man. It's like that, it's that common, it just calms you right down. Like you're go, go, yeah. go, go, go. And then you get in the woods and then. Boom, it's like, you balance. know, during both, during both season, I'll be you know, pacing back and forth. I'm checking the weather app at least 20 times a day. It's like, I cannot focus. All I'm thinking about is 
that afternoon hunt or the next day, or oh, should I just keep working today? Cause tomorrow the wind's going to be better. Uh, we're gonna have better pressure system tomorrow. So should I wait? And I'm just like pacing around. Lydia's like, she'll look at me and go, just get the fuck out of here. Just go hunt. <laughs> oh, no. Fuck it. Oh, but yeah, no, awesome. it's an addiction. So, I mean, we're winding down, dude. And is there something you want to leave the people with? Anything new from Wild Edge? Anything coming out? What's going on? We got a lot of cool shit coming out uh, this summer. But uh, I'd say if you're skeptical about saddle hunting, nothing to it. Just give it a try. I mean, keep everything simple and just do what, do what works for you. And, uh, it's definitely a game changer. So just get out there and make your life a little more simple and safer. Just have at it. So again, where where can they find you? Where's the best place to locate you? I know uh, you're on anything, YouTube. Yep, Wild Edge Inc. Inc. You can find us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and on our website, wildedgeinc.com. And uh, do you want to let them know the new news? No, it's top secret, man. All right, sneaky, sneaky, <laughs> secret squirrel. We got, got cool shit coming out. Just keep no, I'm saying it. I'm saying the new news with Outdoor Drive and Wild Edge. Oh yeah, I got your back. however you want to phrase it i'm here for you boys yeah we'll be all working together so you'll be hearing a lot about wild edge from here on out so that's right and i have a hell of a team i'll have uh you two all trevor's already swinging from a saddle i have the other two guys saddled up here soon yeah it'll be nice to be in the right gear oh yeah they look at tree stands after getting a saddle like what the fuck was i thinking oh yeah (laughs) Well, well i i was on the saddle all last year but let's just say uh the experience wasn't great because the equipment wasn't correct. Uh, so uh, yeah. it's going to be nice to transition. I'm pick that up for you. Yep. Yeah, it's cool. it's always fun. It's a good time. And man, we can't thank you enough for joining us. So, yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. And uh, once this quarantine's done, can't wait to catch up with you guys, stick some fish. Oh, yeah. We're going to have a good time Cooking for sure. Cooking, stick some fish, kill some shit. It's going to be a oh, good yeah. time. It's going to be ugly. Oh, yeah. Well, for everyone out there, we want you guys to uh, really take this time to go out and live wild. And right. uh, appreciate you guys taking the ride right here on the Outdoor Drive. Mm-hmm.